Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com. People said amen. 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 Y'all may be seated. God bless you. Happy Memorial Day coming up tomorrow. If we can at this time, I want to go ahead and identify all of those of you who have served in our military, in our armed forces, uh, domestically, foreignly, uh, any place that you have been. I want to honor you at this time. So if you have served... Uh, in any capacity in our armed forces, if you would please stand at this time. Y'all remain standing for just a moment. As you remain standing, I, I want you to know that we honor you today. We honor you for your commitment to our freedom. You know, it's been said that freedom is not free. In fact, I believe that it cost us a lot. I believe that it cost us lives. Every person that's standing today uh, has been impacted in some kind of way with, uh, with war, with loss, with detriment, with being without. And I, I was watching and listening to, uh, to Max as he was sharing that story and, and just sharing his heart and then the soldier's prayer. You know, until you have left your family, until you have left your home, until you have left the comforts of everyday life that we take for granted, you can't possibly know the feeling of that, and I don't say that to be condescending to anyone who hasn't served, but I want to just submit to you this morning that it's because of these men and women standing before you today that we get to stand and pledge allegiance uh, to what that flag represents. You see, that flag represents our, our liberties that were given us by God. That flag represents our freedom that each day is on the verge of being taken from us. And, and here's the sad part. It's not on the verge of being taken us from a foreign uh, soldier. It's being taken from us from our own land. And I submit to you today, lest we forget that if we don't remember where we came from, then we lose our way. When we lose our way, we lose our moral compass. Our moral compass comes from the Word of God. We begin to repeat things that we have, the mistakes that we've made in the past. And when we do that, we fail to walk in our full God-given potential. Today, as I look at these men standing before us, I want us to, at this point in time, I want us to stand as they're seated and let's stand and give them the applause that they deserve and honor them with everything that we have today. You men may be seated. Come on now, give it up. Amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles with me, with you today, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. I love this time of the year. I love Memorial Day. And I want to say to you that Memorial Day is not about going to the lake, though we can. It's not about parties, though we have them. It's not about grilling hamburgers, though everybody likes a good hamburger. And all of God's people said amen. The reality is, is we get to celebrate this day because we're remembering We're remembering the men and women that went before us, the ones who gave everything that they had because the old saying of of all gave some and some gave all is is a little tainted in my opinion because the reality is is every man, every woman that pledged to that flag that they would honor the Constitution of the United States of America, which we're going to look at here in just a moment, as they left home, they gave up their own liberty so that you and I may embellish in ours. I don't take that lightly today. 
I don't take it lightly today that as I was at graduation the other night and, and the Pledge of Allegiance was given as our colors entered into the, into the stadium and I stood and I noticed no one else was standing and I was on the opposite end because that's how we roll. We get there late. So we get on the other side and as the colors came in, instinctively, Max, I had to stand up as if to the position of attention to say I'm giving credence to something that stands for something a lot bigger than me. And I remember just placing my hand over my heart and I looked around and people were seated all over the place and then I saw this one girl make her way down out of the stands ran right by me and she's hollering as we're pledging allegiance to the flag of the United States of America not the flag that's not what we worship it's what it stands for and it just broke my heart that a generation today has lost the mindset of what it means to be free and to live under the liberties of men and women who have fought before us. My gosh, let us never forget the 1.3 million people that have lost their life honoring our freedom and our liberties. Let's never forget the ones today, 2.4 million, that still stand watch, whether it be in a domestic uh, installation or whether it be on a foreign soil. Let's not forget that the Navy SEAL and the Navy Corp- the Corpsman and, and the Marine guy that lost his life just a, this past week. Let's never forget the war that's still going on. Because why? Because we are giving over our freedom to a, to a people who don't even worship the God that we worship, who don't stand on the principles we stand on. All under the banner of having equal rights. I'll submit to you this morning that the things that are being handed down from our current administration, even in respect to restrooms, it's not about equality. It's an attack on our Judeo-Christian core principles by which this nation was founded. It's not about giving someone, uh, 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 being, uh, allowing someone else to think for themselves. Let me tell you something. If, if you think for yourself, that's great. But do it on your own time and on your own land. Here's the deal. I speak, we speak English in this country. I want you to learn that as the national language. I don't want to change that because it offends you. Hey, you know what? I'm all about freedom. I'm all about the, the person who comes legally into our country seeking that pursuit of happiness. Praise God for people who have, who have traveled across the water to get here to be able to stand and, and worship in the freedom that you and I have today. I submit to you that it's not the pastor, it's not the deacon who gave us the freedom of religion, it's the soldier. It's not the newspaper writers, it's not the magazine editors who gave us the freedom of press, it's the soldier. The fact that we can stand in here today And not be afraid to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ was because a soldier stood watch. He picked up his weapon and he stood watch and he said the words, not on my watch. In Korea, people today stand literally face to face with North Koreans who hate everything we stand for. They hate Christianity. And they stand face to face with those men at any moment. At any moment, one of those guys could cross that line and it would be a full-fledged war. Men today in Afghanistan and Iraq, oh yeah, they're still there. They're still there. Digging the sand out of their hair and not bathing for days and weeks on end. A lot of times not getting a meal at all. And the mamas and daddies that are still welcoming, and I use that word loosely, welcoming their, their dead, a home in, in a flag-draped coffin. It's not over. 
until the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, comes back in all of his splendor and all of his glory. It will not end. 618,000. 618,000 died during the Civil War. 50,000 in Vietnam. Almost 6,500 in the Iraqi-Afghanistan War. People say, well, man, we're getting, we're getting better then, right? Here's the problem. At the height of World War II, 12% of our nation's population picked up a weapon and went to battle. Today, today, less than 1% pick up that same weapon. What does that mean, Mark? That implies that there are less and less and less people that are impacted, that are affected by the ravages of war. If you have lost a loved one to a war, if you have someone currently serving in the, in the armed forces and you're just a, you're a family member today and you don't wear the uniform but you wear the hurt, you wear the anguish, you wear the anxiety, you wear the unknown, I wonder would you stand right now let us honor you. You guys are just as much a hero as your loved ones who are standing watch today. Because you too, mamas, wives, daddies, brothers and sisters, children, you've given something up for our freedom. And we honor you. Let's give them a big hand. Y'all may be seated. So you've heard me say the word remember. You've heard us sing about we will remember. And, and, I, and I submit to you that that is, the, that is the anthem of our heart today. On the POW, MIA flag, we will never forget but do we? Forty plus thousand men are still unaccounted for. POWs or MIA. Forty thousand. Do we really f- remember? Do we re- really remember the three thousand plus that were killed on 9-11? Do we really remember that they invaded our soul? Do we really remember those that stormed the beaches of Normandy? Do we really remember? Do we remember what we had to do to end World War II? Do we remember the, the bomb of Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Do we remember that? War is said to be something that takes from everyone. But if we don't remember and memorialize everything about it, guys, we're destined to repeat it. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5 says, Bless the Lord, all my soul." Say it with me. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Verse 2 says, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. And I love this. And forget not all of his, say it with me, his benefits. What are his benefits? Who has forgiven all of our iniquities and healed all of our diseases? Who redeemed the life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Aren't you glad today that God is a merciful God? Come on now, church. Get your hand up if you're glad of that. Because I'm going to tell you something. Were it not for his mercy, you would get exactly what you deserve. But his mercy stepped in. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like an eagle's. If we forget where we've come from, then we will respond in the same manner that that Egypt did when the children of Israel, under the banner of of Joseph, who actually brought everyone into cohesion, and he answered all of the problems during the day. And and, and in Exodus chapter 1, the Bible says, And there arose a Pharaoh who did not remember Joseph. And in that ensued a time of destruction and bondage and killings and all of the things that flowed out of that. 
coming out of that, you start to develop an understanding that people begin to look not unto their own volition, but unto that of God. In Joshua chapter 4, which, watch this, the theme of Joshua is a possession. It's going to the promises that were made to Abraham that I'll promise you with land, seed, and blessing, that I will make you a great nation, that I will bless your children and their children, and every place you put your foot will be yours, and I will bless it. And yet they've yet to accomplish or achieve everything that God promised. And in the book of Joshua, you finally see a beginning of the possession. What was the possession? When they crossed over the river Jordan, they begin to envelop a promise of the fullness of God. It's not a picture of heaven. It's a picture of full fellowship with God. What's our hope this side of eternity? It's to walk with God, to know Him, to feel His heart, to feel His breath on my neck, to know that He's there, to know that He's my Redeemer, that He lives, that there's nothing that's happened that God has not allowed and ordained, that there's some greater purpose, and that in this nation in which we live was founded on that premise and on that principle, and everything predicated out of that flows out of that, and we have lost our way. Why? Because we're no longer building memorials. We're no longer building the remembrance of what's happening. We're not telling our children. We're not opening the books. The history books are changing. How do you change history books? Because we have become silent. Joshua 4, verses 4 through 7. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man in every tribe. And, every, and Joshua said unto them, Cross over before the ark, the Lord your God, in the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes, which was twelve, the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children, listen, when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial for the children of Israel forever. As I see that flag today and as I see a flag waving on a flagpole when I pass it, it moves me. It moves me because I feel like that having served in the armed forces and being a patriot and being moved when I hear the Lee Greenwood song or when I hear the national anthem or when I say the Pledge of Allegiance that I'm actually gripping my heart because it still moves me that one thread of one piece of that flag belongs to me. It's mine. And the God that I serve is founded all in that flag. The purity of the white represents the righteousness, the robe that you and I will get, that he who knew no sin became my sin, that you and I may be the righteousness of God in him. That that white represents something more than just our colors of our national flag. The blue speaks of our liberty. The Bible says in Galatians 5.1 to stand fast in the freedom or the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. And don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. That flag represents our breaking away from a tyranny of a government that says you'll worship this way. You'll serve this way. You'll act this way. And guys, if we're not careful, that's exactly where we're going back to. But oh, that red. (laughs) That red in that flag. Represents the precious blood of my Jesus. That on that day, that lonely day, stripped naked, as he hung on that tree that he created, willingly, having had that plan before the foundation and the framing of the world, arms stretched wide, hands and feet nailed to a cross, 
fulfilling even the scriptures of those who said, curse is the man that hung on the tree. He willingly took the curse of our sin. He became our sin. And on that day, he hung on the cross and he didn't say, what about me? He didn't say, hey, where's, where's everybody now? Where are my apostles? He thought of you and he thought of me. And he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. That red pre- represents the precious blood of our Savior. As it dropped down his crown pierced head, went down his body, down his feet, down the cross, and hit that dirt. And the, the earth came alive because of the life that's found in his blood. And that eagle that sits on top. Represents the majesty found in John's gospel. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. In verse 14, that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld all of His splendor and all of His glory. If you look into we the people of the United States... In order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide the common defense, promote general welfare, and secure blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. The preamble, the preface to our Constitution starts with three words, we the people. It's always been about the people. It's always been for the people. Lest we forget, have we gotten off base from where we started? Guys, we have the authority in the Constitution of the United States of America. If a government rises up and impedes the forward progression of these words that were signed September 17, 1787 by 39 delegates, 12 of the 13 original colonies, that gave us the power to remove the government who was still... I'm not asking for a revolution. Not as we overthrow them. I'm asking for a revolution in your heart to get back to a praying nation. I remember at the onset of Desert Storm, I was in the military. And I remember the day that I got the call. You're going. There was, a, there was a code word. It was raging bull. That's all they would say. If they called you and said grazing herd, that meant that it was just a, a, an alarm to prepare yourself to see if you were ready. And to make sure they could get in touch with you. Raging bull meant that it was real. I got a phone call one day and answered the phone and Hello, is this Mark? This is Mark. This is a raging bull message. I hung up the phone. I was terrified. Phone rang again. Is this specialist, fourth class, Mark Pritchett? It is. This is a raging bull message. You need to get in your uniform and report. You know what's interesting? The day that we knew we were getting sent, the church is packed out. We become complacent. We've forgotten. We've forgotten these words. I'm going to read these to you as the band comes. We, the people, we hold these truths to be self evident. Everybody say self evident. That means it ought to be a given. You ought to just know it by default. We hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal. That they are endowed with certain unalienable rights. Watch this. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's you and I. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, what ends? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. Abolish the government of that particular pattern. And to institute a new government laying it down. Its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them, watch this, shall seem most likely to affect the safety and happiness. Watch this. Prudence indeed will dictate the government's long before establishment should be changed in light of the transient causes. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights. These are not rights you earned. They're not rights that you went and and grabbed. It's not something you even signed up for. They were given us from the beginning of the world. And we drafted them in our constitution. Do you feel sometimes like that's been taken from you? So what do we do? Do we invoke another civil war? Do we revolt? We pray. We pray and we believe that there's a God in heaven who gave us these rights, who sent his son to live a perfect, sinless life. Oh, but Mark, weren't most of the founding fathers atheists? No, they weren't. 29 of those delegates were ordained ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastors, Sunday school teachers, worship leaders, deacons, elders, 29 of them. Thomas Jefferson, one of those men, says, God who gave us life gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis? A conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift from God, that they are not to be violated but by His wrath. Indeed, Thomas Jefferson said, I tremble for my own country. When I reflect that God is just, why would he tremble? Because if God deals in mercy, he also has to deal in his anger against sin. He's just. And that his justice cannot sleep forever. That a revolution of the wheel of fortune, a change of situation, is among possible events, he said. That it may become probable by supernatural influence. Thomas Jefferson concluded, The Almighty has no attribute which He can take side with us in that event. Patrick Henry said, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. (laughs) That's not in any book, is it? It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, people who walk like, act like, talk like Jesus did. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1962, a woman named Madeline O'Hare took it upon herself to approach A civil lawsuit against the United States of America went all the way to the Supreme Court. 
She was offended as an atheist, the founder of the American Atheist Institution, Incorporated. By the way, the soldier gave her that right to even have that free speech, to organize something as as foolish as that. She was offended because her son at the time, William O'Hare, Bill, was asked to read the Bible in his elementary homeroom class. So she believed enough in a lie that she would step forward. Went all the way to the Supreme Court and the ruling came down in 1963 to take, not public prayer, although it's often referred to as that, but it kind of hinges on that. Prayer and the reading of Scripture in any public forum. Wow. You may not go on, as uh, Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story. Madeline O'Hare ended up having another son. Bill, her first son, had a daughter. In the 1990s, Bill began to be the leader of the American Atheist Institute. And somehow felt that there was something dirty about what he was doing. Holy Spirit spoke to Bill's heart and he gave his life to Jesus. Raised under the nurture of an absolute total fallacy. There is no God. His mother, quote, I commend him today as a postnatal abortion. He is dead to me. Bill lost his daughter because his daughter went with the grandmother, Madeline. And their other son. Bill today is a Baptist pastor still practicing in the ministry. Madeline, however, and her other son and her granddaughter was kidnapped by one of their previous workers. Because see, if there's no God, there's no morality. There's no God, there's no moral compass. There's no love your neighbor as yourself. There's no turn the other cheek. There's no show grace and mercy. Love. And he kidnapped them with another component of his, some of his friends that served in their institute. They took them to a house, got $500,000 plus in gold coins, ransom money, paid to them by the family. He murdered and dismembered all three of them. And it wasn't until two or three years later that they actually he came clean and found, they found the bodies. You see, this woman took a step and we remained silent. We didn't fight it because we're just supposed to be passive. We didn't step up and say, no, 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 we have a voice given by God, unalienable right, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I like the fact that my children could pray in school. I like the fact that the Word of God would be read at a football game or a public forum. Edwin Meese said, the Declaration provided this philosophical basis of a government that exercises legitimate power at the consent of the governed, you and I, 
And it defined the conditions of a free people whose rights and liberty are derived from their creator. The Constitution delineated the structure of government and the rules of its operation consistent with the creed of human liberty in the Declaration. This complementation also may be one reason for the Constitution's enduring strength. Watch this. And if it puts into practice the values of the Word of God on which our founding Americans sought to establish this new nation. Maybe you've never heard this, but I want to give it to you. Why does a soldier fight? What is he fighting for? Because it's been said, especially during Vietnam, and bless those guys' hearts, that they left and they fought under conspiracies, came home to an unwelcome, ungrateful nation. I thank God for the men in this community like Ryan Christopher and some others that went forward and said they deserve a welcome. I praise God for that because they do. Why do they fight? Why do they keep going? Why do young men keep signing the line? Keep standing in the front of an American flag with their hand on a Bible, holding up their hand and take the oath. Why do they do that? Because there's still a fabric of our being that believes that what they're fighting for matters on a larger scale. It goes something like this. I, Mark Pritchett, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. And that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to law and regulations, according to the Uniform Code of Military Justice, comma, so help me God. And let me tell you what the military is not doing. They're not taking that out of the oath. They've been asked to, Chief of Staff and others, turn their head. That's the way we do it here. Do we remember? Do we remember where we came from? Because if we don't remember where we came from, we can't know where we're going. If we don't know where we're going, we're just walking aimlessly in life. I don't want to walk aimlessly in life. Do you? I want to matter. I want to be effective. I want to invoke change. I want to be called radical. I want to be a Jesus freak. I want to be a lover of of my fellow man. I want to know that there are still people out there today that care enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's men and women that are willing to fight, to bleed, and die. Because I didn't even tell you about the, the 40 other thousand that came home from from Vietnam in addition to the 50,000 that died 40,000 came home wounded and changed forever wearing the, the, the effects of war 28 veterans kill themselves every single day because they don't know how to fit in anymore maybe they don't feel they matter post-traumatic stress syndrome. I get it. But is it really that or does it matter more 
that when we see a soldier or we see a veteran wearing a hat or a t-shirt we don't walk up to him and say I salute you thank you for giving your time thank you sir thank you ma'am for giving of your life and here's the beauty of this close with this because as I look to our banner that represents purity, liberty the blood of Jesus Christ the sacrifice that was made there's another banner all throughout the Old Testament as they would have conquest in war, in battle crossing the river Jordan setting up a memorial God would tell them He said I want you to build an altar I want you to remember. <laughs> they were asked to remember as a, as a preemptive pointing to the foreshadowing of Jesus Christ who would become the altar of sacrifice. And they would build an altar. And they would take a, a lamb without blemish and they would bring it and they would cut it up and they would burn it. And they would, it would be a sweet savor to the nostrils of a holy God as a pointing to one, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, who would walk down that lonely street one day at the height of Passover and he would become our sin and he would die willingly. See, in the Old Testament, he had a name for that. His name was Jehovah Nisi. Lord is my banner lest we forget Pastor David I got an answer for the lack of passion in America today we have forgotten the sacrifice that our Jesus made on Golgotha we have forgotten that he came willingly as a lamb into the slaughter we have forgotten the banner the altar of sacrifice that for God so loved the world He didn't just love us. For God so loved the world. That definite article so means that it went beyond a love that you and I can fathom. It's unconditional. It's agape love. It's a love without bounds. It's a love that looks at you and don't see you, but sees you covered in the blood of Jesus. He sees you as the righteousness of His perfect Son. It's a love that doesn't look at you when you mess up and say, Are you kidding me? It's a love that looks at you and says, Well done, that good and faithful servant. Even though you did nothing right, you did nothing to get there. It was all about Him. It's always been about Him. It will always be about Jesus. But it's a love that blows my mind. That's my banner. Jehovah Nisi. What's your banner today? What do you stand on today? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me all over the room. Maybe some of us today have been saved, been born again, been washed in the blood of Jesus. And maybe you've just forgotten your way. Maybe you've lost your way. I'm going to invite you now to come to the altar right now. Just come. Just come and say, Jesus, forgive me for forgetting. Just come. There's others of you sitting out here today that you're not 100% sure that if you died right now that you'd spend eternity in heaven. You're not sure. You hope so. You're a pretty good guy, a pretty good gal. The Bible says there's none righteous, not one. And in fact, Romans 3 and 23 says, We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Fall short every single day continually. What's the cost of that? Your life. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God 
through Jesus Christ. It's a gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of your works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. Oh, my friend, liberty and freedom cost. It costs something. It costs our Savior everything. I love Romans 10 and 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm a whosoever today. October 29th, 1992. I prayed and I invited Jesus Christ to forgive me. Invited him into my heart to be the Lord of my life. And he did. He saved me. And he's never let me get out of his hand even when I wanted to. If you don't know today that if you were to die that you'd spend eternity in heaven, I want you to pray with me right now from your heart to God. Just pray. Something like this. Dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of all my sin. I believe in you. That you died on a cross for me. And on the third day you got up. Be the Lord of my life. And help me to live for you. Until the day you call me home. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you pray this this morning in faith. I wonder, would you be so bold? Just lift your hand right now and say, Mark, I prayed and invited Jesus. God bless you. Anybody else looking around? God bless you. How many of you could say, Mark, I need prayer. I want passion for the lost. I want passion for my fellow man. If you would, just lift your hand up. Say, Mark, I just pray, God, give me that passion back. Just lift your hand up. Lift it up. Hands going up all over the room. You can put your hands down. How many of you can say, Mark, I'm praying to find God's perfect will for my life, for God's plan for my life, for, for, to get invested in the things of God. If that's you today, lift your hand right now. Mark, that's me. Hands going up all over the room. How about this one? Mark, forgive me. I have bitterness in my heart. Mark, pray for me that God will forgive me for the bitterness that I've carried around, an unforgiving spirit. Somebody hurt me, and I've yet to lay it down. If that's you, and you have bitterness, lift your hand up. Lift it up high. Let God see your hand. Hands are going up all over the room. Everyone look this way. Whether you prayed and asked Jesus into your heart, whether you're asking God to deliver you from this bitterness, whether you're trying to find your way, whether you're coming back home like the prodigal son, Jesus is standing here saying, just come. Pastor David's going to stand over here. I'll stand on this side. There's people that will pray with you. The doors of our church stand open today. If you'd like to be a part of our fellowship, a part of our faith, a part of the journey, won't you come? But if you gave your life to Jesus, or you need prayer, or if God just spoke to your heart today about some area of your life, just come shake our hand and turn and walk away. And we're going to go home. As they sing, you come. Everyone stand to your feet.